sometimes that is better. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Give Me Back My Horror Movies, the podcast. I am one of your hosts, Nate, and with me, as always, is Charlie. It Say hello, Charlie. It was not almost always tonight, Nate. I'll tell you that right now. No, it was not. Someone decided to go and get COVID. Damn you, Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> Someone decides to visit Ohio and then can't hang out because he gets Two COVID. Two years, no COVID. Two days in Ohio, COVID. That sucks, but coincidence i think not not. ground zero ohio (laughs) is your name Uh, uh, nate we got a full house bubba i think you better continue introducing some people we have pete who is with us as always what's up pete good to be back i'm great i can't wait this is brought with him the entire gang of good beer bad movie night Say hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. So, I'm going to need everyone to introduce themselves really quickly. That way we all know everyone's voice is sounding separate from me, the John Lovitz sounding guy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that would have been real funny if we were doing Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He was not. Wait, John Lovitz? Cut that out. It's staying. That's the wrong John. Learn your shit, Pete. <laughs> Pete, you got spaghetti arms. That yeah. voice is easy to detect. That's so, Kathleen. Uh, well, that is Kathleen. Here I am. The one and only. Under duress and without any beer. So. Yes. Because someone went and got COVID, we were supposed to hang out all together in one room and record this. But the man who will not be named. I'm the only one that had to be. I'm the only one that had to be separated. You guys could have all got together and just brought me in on a little iPad and nah. a, a Roomba <laughs> so DJ I could walk around the room. DJ Roomba. <laughs> DJ. <laughs> I was supposed to be at a music video seeing some death metal bands tonight, but instead I'm hanging out with all you idiots. So. <laughs> Damn, Nate, that's some venom. Uh, it is. Well, we got Kathleen, of- so let's uh, introduce the other two. We got to get Troy. Get in there. Hello, I'm Troy. This is my voice. See? <laughs> I don't sound like anybody Not famous. John Lovitz. And then we have the sexy, the sultry, the man whose voice might as well be a saxophone, Dave. <laughs> oh, it's me. <laughs> Hi, I'm Dave, and on behalf of the entire state of Ohio, for both of you, um, you're welcome. Uh, appreciate that. <laughs> if you're going to do it, own it. It'll be fine. It's all good. <laughs> Oh, so Nick, so, we're still we're still in space this we're month. We're still in space. I hope everyone is prepared to say space a lot in this episode. Um, <laughs> and we decided to do the Paul Thomas Anderson classic, Event Horizon. He is known for doing such other films as Licorice Pizza, There Will Be Blood. You know the classics. <laughs> Why am I the only one laughing? <laughs> <laughs> Because we try not to encourage Dave. Dave gets good uh. film. Instead, we do the only movie I think I enjoy by Paul W.S. Anderson, Event Horizon. 
the man who gave us Resident Evil. Uh, yeah. Mortal Monster Kombat. Hunter. Yeah. Alien versus Predator. Yay. Mm. <laughs> A movie that is apparently The Three Musketeers. I don't even remember when that one came out. Oh, that's I've, got Mila Jolovich in it. He did give I, us I've, Mortal Kombat. I'll give him that. Yes. The very first the one. The first one. Oh. Yeah. The good one. I mean, the newest one the newest was good. good. But sure. Uh, sure. <laughs> the good one. <laughs> He's one of those guys that just kind of go like, why do they keep letting him make movies? <laughs> I, and they well, give him huge <laughs> budgets, too. I can't too. figure it out. I mean, this is... Right? But yeah. He doesn't get low budgets. Like, they really go all out on, I mean, like, Alien hey. and Predator, that's a big... Those are some big names. Let's bring them together. Let's make a big splash. That Mortal Kombat. That. Big budget. And let's make it PG-13. Because <laughs> yeah. I know when I see my alien fight my Predator, I want with only adult situations. <laughs> well, after they saw what he did with Event Horizon we're getting ready to cover, they probably went, nah, he needs to tone it down just a tad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Which I think works to this movie's effort. So, we're going to go around. Does anyone remember the first time they saw this movie? Yes. I remember seeing yes, this I movie do. in the theater. Yeah. Oh, shit. Wow. Nice. When we first started talking about that this is what we were going to do, I was like, is this the one with the Jurassic Park guy? And Troy was like, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, I've seen this movie. And after watching it this time, I feel exactly the same as I did in 1997. Bored and confused and still waiting for a jump scare. Oh. <laughs> well, don't worry. We're going to fix all that except for the jump scares. <laughs> Unless anyone wants to. Troy, what about you? What was the first, what was the first time you saw this, Troy? <sighs> I know I saw it on video. And I would have been in my 30s, 20s. And it freaked freaked me the hell out the first time. What about you, Pete? Well, I only came to this a couple years ago. Uh, I saw it for the very first time, I want to say two, three years ago. And only because someone was like, oh, it's like Hellraiser in space. Just watch it. It's fun. And I did. And I like it. It's, it's definitely it is, Hellraiser it's in space. Um, it's got some great visuals in it. And... Yeah. It, if only they had uh, just let Anderson actually produce his movie. Oh boy! Oh jeez! Uh, we could have gotten oh, so much longer more. movie too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what about you, Dave? That's it. it that is um, true. Yeah. I saw. I was definitely a rental. I was probably in ninety-seven, ninety-eight. I would have still been in college, probably finishing up college, pretty close. Um, I remember seeing it because I, I never considered myself a horror film, but I find myself watching lots of them. So I guess I. I don't know, in a bout of self So you're a horror like guy. <laughs> Apparently. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I was always a fan of, like, Alien, and this is kind of Alien-esque, or so I was told. And so I watched it, and I'm like, oh, it's like a haunted house in space. Ooh, that's a good way and, to point it. Yeah, and the parts of it were really cool, mm -hmm. and then for the most part, I was just like, this is a little gross. Uh, a little grosser than I would normally have chosen, but all in all, I was like, yeah, I would, I, I, I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to watch this rousing... Two thumbs up from Dave. What you, Charlie? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like that. that was good. No, this was definitely a rental. This was probably one me and Benny watched. Uh, this right about the time we were both uh, renting every movie we could from uh, Food City. Um, I loved this when it came out. It was dark. It was demented. The visuals were pretty awesome. I mean, a lot of people complain about special effects and movies this genre. You could tell they were trying really hard with this one, and 
he was really trying to put a lot of emphasis on what they were doing you know the things floating in space and you know the portals and everything so i don't know this movie's always grabbed me I, this is probably the 20th time i've seen this movie oh, wow. um uh, i watch it regularly i enjoy the hell out of it it also we'll talk about it more but it's got ties to other things that are part of pop culture uh that is uh the 40k um oh miniature game warhammer huh yeah oh, i saw yeah, dave yeah. light up oh yeah oh yeah yeah so uh there, there's a, there's a lot a lot involved with this movie but yeah i was i'd say i was probably 17 or 18 when i watched it so charlie just likes to keep watching yeah. gross things over and over <laughs> again yeah yeah i have no problem with it man i told you i like hellraiser in space so then i got to watch this which is also hellraiser yeah you're in just space. like there's butt stuff in space Crazy. so now i get to enjoy this <laughs> i don't where you keep getting this butt stuff part of this movie <laughs> i'm not 100 percent sure on there oh, oh he has such sights to show you oh <laughs> such wonderful wonderful things to show you Oh man! I think, <laughs> what about you, Nate? When did you first see it? For me, it was probably like five or seven years ago, fairly recently. Because damn, I I don't like Paul W. S. Anderson movies, so this one got recommended. <sighs> of like, check it out. Like, throw what you think about him to the wind. And I was like, okay, and was really pleasantly surprised. And then when you read about, there's a 130 minute cut of this movie that we'll probably never see because it's been completely sabotaged and. The studio made him cut it. Test audience made him cut it. And this is the aftermath of what you get. But I think it works to the movie's uh, favor because now there's more to the imagination that you have to use to fill in the blanks. And I think that works. And we'll get into that. That's a good point. Now, yeah. No, I can the see thing that. that yeah, kind of blows my mind was this movie was made for $60 million. $60 million horror movie. Think about that. that that's unheard of. <laughs> oh, it's Paul yeah, W.S. Anderson, so. man. The world had faith yeah. in him. <laughs> it only Except made $26 million worldwide. It flopped hard. Box office, yeah. Uh, which means was, his next movie, they probably gave him $80 million. <laughs> I, I, meant, I, I read somewhere where someone came up to Paul Anderson. God, I forget it was. It was somebody else famous and said, after they saw a screening of this and went, this is going to be great in 20 years. Yeah. Like this oh. is going to be uh, John Carpenter's the thing where it's just, no one's going to get it right now, but it's going to be a, it's going to yeah, be your a kids weren't ready for that one. And <laughs> it, you weren't ready for that right, one. Right, right. Right. Some of the budgetary <laughs> for this came from the fact that scream had been released in 96 and had sort of re blown open the doors to public, uh, like the every man was willing to go to horror because like by I feel like kind of by the time I was in college the whole Freddy Jason concept had started to like go down the what a joke mess like they weren't scary anymore and then and so then all yeah. horror sort of kind of fell back away and then Scream came out and it was like sort of changed everything it brought non-horror people like myself back into the theater to see it so the release dates between these two films is pretty like they're within a year of each other do you think that had something to do with it i mean scream was december of 96 so this was sometime in 97 i don't know oh far, it came far. out the same year it came out the same year as scream 2 folks will argue with the point that with the fact maybe not the fact but the idea that scream 
save the horror franchise, but it kind of did. It did bring it back into the mainstream. Horror was a was a dying art form. Uh, it became uh, formulaic, like the Freddy and Jason stuff. It's just the rinse and repeat, the same thing all the time. And Scream brought a fresh approach to it, and open. I thought opened the door for. Um, it was uh, horror was no longer this B movie thing that you could just toss up on a screen. Just uh, it it wasn't it wasn't just a uh, I'm losing my brain. You're no fun. Well, this uh, is <laughs> also where we get into the awkward phase of mm-hmm. we're transitioning away from practical effects mm-hmm. and more towards CGI. Um, American Werewolf in Paris is a good example Ooh. of this. That came out in 97. Oh. <laughs> Alien Resurrection came out in 97. <laughs> Anaconda. Like, we're in this weird phase, and I think this one, like, audiences were not ready for exactly. Yeah, but this one still blended yeah. practical and CGI mm-hmm. really well. It did, though. and that's where this movie, even, like, with the, like, <laughs> gel that floats like the fuel or whatever you yeah, want to call coolant. it for the, the coolant spaceship yeah the coolant like the whole spaceship gave me total mm-hmm. matrix vibes before the matrix yeah well was that's that just me lawrence fishburne it also had the guy Shit. that played mouse in Didn't the matrix take that. you had two oh, characters from the matrix from. in yeah. this movie yeah it did he was the one that was infatuated with the girl in the red dress yep um his name was mouse in matrix he was the one that tries to launch himself out the airlock. Oh no, that was uh, Jack Noseworthy. He was—he's older than that. He's a different guy. Oh, it's a different guy. You sure? I'm Pretty trusting sure. Dave. <laughs> oh, we're trusting Dave. You're talking about the kid <laughs> they called. He got my Paul Anderson joke. <laughs> You're talking about the kid they called Baby, whatever. Yeah, Justin. Uh, yeah, yeah, Baby uh, Bear. Baby bear yeah. Or yeah. Now, I, I recognize Jack Noseworthy because he was in a very short, uh, short-lived MTV series called Dead at Twenty One. Remember that one? Uh, that's the only reason and why I knew. Who has a last name Noseworthy? I mean, really? When I saw that pop up on the the entry credit, you know, title screen, I'm like, that's a hell of a last name right there, <laughs> Noseworthy. Yeah, how do you feel about this food? <laughs> oh, it's Noseworthy. It's Noseworthy. That's a very good wine. It's noseworthy. <laughs> oh, that's way better than mine. There you go. <laughs> Morpheus really did love to spin around in that chair. Uh, <laughs> yes, he did. Like, you could he not blame ridiculous. him. Like it was so unnecessary. <laughs> Wee. He looked both constrained, look like but like time. still mobile and like he looked slightly scared of it. Like it might move and it might do like uh, Doctor Evil. It might fall from yeah. the ceiling. <laughs> Yeah, the f- Morpheus. That is makes a you big wonder dude. if it actually did at any point. Like it actually <laughs> fell, and now he is scared of it. All right, so let's get this trailer going.
Oh, <laughs> uh, that might make the outtakes. <laughs> So did anyone else believe the fake science in this movie? Kathleen, you already said you were confused, so I'm assuming uh, that's a no. Well, I actually didn't really pay that much attention to that aspect of it. Troy was doing some uh, <laughs> calculations next to me with the whole, like, how long they were in stasis. And he was like, you can't get there that fast with this many days. And I was like, huh, where are they even starting from? I don't even know. Like... So I wasn't too sure about that. My confusion with the movie, I mean, I understand everything that happened and I, I get why it all happened, but throughout the course of the movie, the whole time, I'm just like, what? Well, you didn't what? listen to grown up Damien tell us how exactly they traveled. You, you know, you got to get a centerfold out. Oh, right. And then you got to poke two holes in it, and then you (laughs) combine it, and then that's how you travel. So on Google Maps, instead of going from point A to point B, A and B are now together. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, but we don't use paper maps anymore, so that doesn't work anymore. Yeah. Some can. But your phone can fold. Mine shouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) Some can. Although they did say something like the reason they go in stasis wasn't like they had to sleep for the journey. It was the 30 G's that their bodies would experience would liquefy their skeletons. I love that line. Yes. (laughs) I'm surprised they didn't give us one throwaway character where that happened. Right? Because he even said, I've seen it done on mice. And I was like, I kind of want to see it now. (laughs) Yeah, like you could have given us just one character where they're like, Damn it, Dr. Alan Grant. That's why we didn't want you here. <laughs> like, you know? Nobody had a red shirt on, so they didn't know who to waste. That was right. The, this is a Star Trek episode from hell. In hell. <laughs> in hell, yeah. Literally. Yes. Oh, literally yeah. in hell, man. Literally in hell. So I think. So, Nate, we've, we we've, gone from, we've gone from Leprechaun 4 to Event Horizon with your selections <laughs> in space there, Bubba. Yes. You missed that one, Kathy. Yeah, Leprechaun oh, 4 in space. <laughs> She's like, I did. Everyone would have fully enjoyed. Oh, <laughs> uh, so why? So let's uh, let's answer that question real quick. Why? Why did you pick this one? Nate? Because when it comes to space, I feel like this is one of those underlooked gems that needs to be a little bit more spotlight on. I could be totally wrong, and everyone. Okay, but I do believe fair. that you know now that we have had like a lot of years pass that it, it has that cult following for a reason. Um, Mm-hmm. Sam Neill being yeah. the grown-up Damien, like the man has horror uh, backgrounds. He was in that movie, The Possession. You know, <laughs> like this makes sense for mm-hmm. him to be in this post-Jurassic Park. Even Jurassic Park is a pretty damn good horror movie. The kitchen scene with the Velociraptor mm-hmm. is yep. the chef's kiss. That is horror movie perfection. Oh, yeah. Mm. Wasn't he in a uh, John Carpenter horror movie too uh in the mouth of madness yeah mouth of madness yeah now the new jurassic park movie is the complete opposite of really good horror (laughs) (laughs) no spoilers i haven't watched oh don't worry it's a two and a half hour uh timberland boot commercial (laughs) (laughs) well good so you're gonna leave it going i need some new tims (laughs) (laughs) but i'm here to tell you about six months in those insoles are not going to be good I may know from experience. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good to know. Wow, we won't get Timberland to sponsor oh, this I podcast, know. I guess. 
I don't know. <laughs> Nate I just supposed to wear socks with them. Yeah. <laughs> what I have there in the go, office yeah. is a checklist of really popular brands, and then I cross them off when I piss them off. <laughs> I'm like, that's Nate's entire goal right there. So Nate, <laughs> there goes Nike. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're not missing anything with that one. So Nate, we're no. gonna switch something up here real quick. Instead oh, of your patented three-sentence synopsis, we want to try something a little new. Seeing as we do a lot of our movies based on nostalgia, movies that we grew up with, I want to try something where when we picked a movie in the rental stores, what did we do? We saw the cover, and we immediately flipped it over and read the back. Yeah, to see if it was rated so R for nudity. Na- <laughs> yeah, well, there's that, too. <laughs> they didn't always say That's that. That's not what I did. <laughs> Sometimes they would just say R or PG-13, but... Adult themes. Adult Nate, language. why don't you read Boobies. us the back of oh. Event Horizon? The years 2047. Years <laughs> earlier, the pioneering research vessel Event Horizon vanished without a trace. Now a signal from it has been detected, and the United States Aerospace Command responds... Hurtling towards the signal source, area fearless Captain Lawrence Fishburne, his elite crew, and the lost ship's designer, Sam Neill. Their mission, find and salvage the -the state-of-the-art spacecraft. What they find in the -the state-of-the-art interstellar terror, what they must salvage are their own lives. Because someone or something is ready to ensure them in a new dimension of unimaginable fear. Um, that person just put a lot of words together, and that's how they came up with that one. Especially when they said stay of the art that twice. Is a mess. <laughs> back to back. Yeah, I was look I was reading along as I sent that to you that their mission find and salvage the state of the art space crypt. So the spacecraft. What they find is state of the art interstellar terror. Like, no, no, that doesn't work. What little me would have done was read that, going, "Well, that doesn't really make much sense." Is there boobs in this? And we'll go straight back down to nudity. <laughs> uh, and yes, there is, but very, very quickly, I might add in this. A movie. lot to the imagination. <laughs> well, in the uncut, in the stuff we didn't get. Oh um, boy. <laughs> Oh yeah, we might have we might we have seen, might have seen uh, a lot. Yeah, there was a lot cut. So yeah, like let's think. Early two thousands, I think we as a culture were obsessed with Mars, right? Like and well, space travel. Yeah. Movies. We've always been obsessed with Mars. Yeah, but even though the, this yeah. one, they say they go, they get lost. What past Neptune? Oh, yeah, they Saturn. go to Neptune. Yeah. yeah. And oh, no, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Well, they start out saying yes. with the like on screen text at the beginning that says that we colonized the moon in 2015. And when that came across the TV, I went, whoops, missed that deadline. <laughs> yeah, we did. And then, <laughs> yeah. and then the next thing was like something about mining and Mars. And uh, it, like by the time they did the third one, I was like, oh, we might still get there. Like I was like, well, that right, might happen. Yeah. But uh <laughs> Yeah, so then it's like, they sent it out. I thought it was funny that they specified Neptune as the eighth planet, because when this movie was made, Pluto was still considered a planet. Yep. So, I think Pluto's back like, on the planet real, right? Did we get Pluto back? No, it's still, it's a, it's no, a dwarf, it's a dwarf ah. planet, so it doesn't officially count. I know. So, but uh, <laughs> it sounds like 
that's where the point in space of the centerfold is folded is just behind Neptune. Like that's where they, the two sides met to send the event horizon beyond, which was weird considering that at that time, Pluto was still a planet. (laughs) Yeah. But that also begs the question, if we can fold time like that, does it matter where you start from? Because if you can literally fold something endlessly, you can fold something any way you want. Why did it have to be all the way at Neptune? Why did it have to be? You know, if I'm going to be a scientist and try an experimental space folding thing, I'm going to do it as far away from Earth as possible. I get that. I like that. I I get that, yeah. So if we're going to collapse a black hole, let's suck out Neptune. We don't need that one that bad. (laughs) That one doesn't cause any kind of like... uh, Well, it is... That one, and this might be going a little too nerdy. Is Neptune the next actual solid planet after you get past the gas giants of Saturn and Jupiter? Ooh, that's a good question. Like, oh, is well, that why it's question. Neptune? Because I, Neptune's actually well, a because, solid. Damn. I mean, not that the other two like Charlie B. Smirched like all the great Martians of Neptune, so now we're never going to get, you know, their sponsorship. <laughs> so we may never get that an- question answered. <laughs> hey. I'm sorry. We already pissed off Pluto, so I'm not worried about it. Let's piss <laughs> nah, off I'm Neptune. I'm Team Pluto over here. <laughs> no, I meant us as planet Earth oh, has already pissed oh, off Pluto. Yeah, it doesn't matter true, if you're true. pro-Pluto. We've already destroyed it. I like Kathleen's thought, though, because it's a non-gaseous planet that they had to go to one that's solid. I just, To me, it was just that, that weird they tried to make it make sense because you could somewhat understand where they're getting their idea from. But also, we're going to do whatever the hell we want to make the movie make sense in our own little world. You know, well, that's, that's the thing. The movie really it dedicates itself to fake science. Fake science that doesn't even work in the movie. They don't go to another dimension. They go to hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they well, went te- to space hell. Just real quick, technically, Neptune is, is mostly gas and liquid. Mm. Oh, well, there yeah. goes so, the so I, mean, I had no idea. Yeah. I know. I just know it's not considered a gaseous giant like the other two. So yeah. I'm sorry. I, I, I like to poop on every party possible. <laughs> you just do all your poop when you can there. Get Dave. It out. It's all good. <laughs> Troy, you're being real quiet over there, too. Let's. What's your thoughts on pooping and Neptune and gas? It's space poop and <laughs> anti-gravity poop. Pooping on Neptune. Usually find a lot of poop in your anus. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh damn it! That's where it was good. Uh, good well done. I thought we were gonna get through this without bringing it up. <laughs> like I can't believe we've been talking about planets this long and one of them hasn't said it. <laughs> nope. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't Dave. So <laughs> only because he beat me to it. <laughs> Dave's over here scooping, scratching Dave, it off right. his notepad. Damn it, Pete! Pete beat me to it. <laughs> I was saving that one for my crescendo. I'm not going to get Whatever. another setup like that again. <laughs> oh god! That's so awesome. let's say that you hypothetically work for uh, Space Force. You get sent out on this mission, <laughs> and then you hear the distress signal. What do you do? Oh, is this uh, open well, question? Poop. <laughs> Yeah, really. I, I think we, you end up having to do what they're doing because you don't know what's no, going on. I'm going back in stasis. No, 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 no. You go you, no. you go because that's your job. You're in Space Force, man. You signed the contract. You signed the dotted line. You go on the rescue mission, and you go check it out. That's what you do. 
Yeah, but then you hear the video of literal screams from hell, <laughs> and you're going to go, still? Because that's didn't where I'm that. putting myself in stasis. They didn't clear that up till after they were on the event horizon, man. They didn't know. <laughs> so after they reached it, like they were coming out of stasis, and then Sam Neill explains what they're doing. Yeah, like, see? Yeah, which is a terrible game plan of, hey, we're going to make you like keep everything confidential until you get there. That way there's no turning back. Well, I don't think he was even, even going to tell anyone until they actually made him. You know, it was... We even did. Go ahead. We get the audio recording in Latin, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. Jason Isaacs, who plays DJ, is the only one that can translate the Latin. So how lucky do you have to be that Jason Isaacs can actually speak Latin? Because if you don't have anyone that can translate the Latin, you have no idea what the hell they, this audio is saying, correct? Because if I had to guess, there's six of us here, none of us know how to speak Latin, right? This is a fair... Does Dave, do, Dave's do doing a look Latin. like he's like, I might know Latin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, like I don't know Latin. However... Oh. <laughs> I mean, I might, be able to, I might be able to pull out some you I mean... know, common word fragments that are still connected <laughs> to English language words that we use now, but I'm not going to actually be able to, you know... I mean, I got Google. Veni, vidi, we're in hell. I got Google Translate on my that's, phone. Yeah, I mean, that's, that, that was my thought. Like, yeah, that's true. You could just so, run yeah. the video through the filter. In 2047, you just have Space Translate. <laughs> yeah. What is it about going to hell that makes you need to speak Latin, though? I mean, like, everything that goes. I feel like there might be a religious and answer when to you that, go to hell, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and when you go to hell, then apparently you want to pull everybody else well, in yeah, with you. Yeah, because hell's a hell of a party. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be alone. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to be alone. Everyone should the join. The way that they talk about the ship wanting to go back to hell made me think that the ship was sentient and was really into, like, BDSM, <laughs> and that Good the Lord. ship itself was, like, wearing leathers and chains. Well, they had the, the part, not quite chains, <laughs> but they had the one dude hung up by hooks and oh, yeah, uh, suspensions. surgical string and stuff oh, like that. Yeah, That you know. was disgusting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that was one good. was pretty wild. Yeah. <laughs> the original script had the guy still alive, and Miller had to kill him. You. Not that Miller found him dead. I was like, that would have been super dark. It was yeah. I feel like this, yeah. as much as people like to rag on Paul W.S. Anderson, I feel like he is one of the biggest victims of uh, studio interference. I mean, no one takes a movie, say, like, let's go back to The Predator versus Alien. There's no way he intended to go into that as it being PG-13. Mm-hmm. But someone come down the line and said, hey, this has to be PG-13 now. Uh, kind of the same with Mortal Kombat. I think the first time he probably signed on to do that, he was thinking, I get to make a freaking game based on killing people and ripping their heads off. And they went, mm, yeah, but it's got to be PG-13. <laughs> you know, so womp, he's kind of this womp. victim of, yeah. And this one was, I'm going to make this so wild that even if they neuter me a little bit, it's still going to be a messed up movie, which is kind of what happened. They still made him cut stuff out, and we still ended up with what we have right now. So you're saying he went in with a negotiation tactic of, I'll add in everything I could possibly want, that when they make me cut it down, I still get what I want? Kind of, yeah. That's what I like to think. I'm a fan of his. I, I don't. Everybody else likes to rag on him. I I just I think his movies are fun. I don't go into them like, oh, this is just moved me or it had such meaning. I was like, did I enjoy the movie? I yes. can't explain then what I it is about it. his movies that like drive me up the wall. Like I always feel like there's something missing. Like, and like he, he's three he's fourths Angel- of a director. He's not fully there. Yeah, and he's married to Mila Jovovich. 
Yeah, so Come he's on. castrated okay. everything. The guy's, he, he's already winning. Oh, well, <laughs> well now I hate him. <laughs> Troy's like, I hate him now. There's another reason I hate him. You know, oh. I'm going to agree with you as far as the, uh, the Alien versus Predator thing. Um, one, that should never be a PG-13 movie. And two, I feel like there's a lot of studio interference with that one because uh, the studio likes to interfere with all the Alien stuff. And I've gone on about this for before. Like, the... Mm-hmm. A lot of times when you find like a really successful franchise, studio executives are like, okay, milk it for what it's worth until nobody likes it anymore and then move on to the next thing. Um, Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I think that for, well, Mortal Kombat, I think it was PG-13 because the demographic was right around that age. Because it was a video game, people considered it to be for kids, and so. Yeah. It had to be PG-13. I mean, so yeah, I mean, it's a video game with people pulling their heads off and their spines are still attached, but still. I mean, the demographic still skewed pretty young. I guess what's weird to they're, me is that, like, that's all, the way, like, all. a studio, like, thinks. And then, like, to me, I'm like, yeah, there's a 14-year-old. I want to see more blood and guts. But for some reason, the Hollywood studio is like, no. <laughs> that's my th- that was my thought process. <laughs> they, they always, like, well, we want the younger audience in there. We're watching R-rated movies at that age. Mm. I, I think they're in denial watching... of that. Like, there's no way, like, parents are letting their kids watch this. And it's like, I don't think parents care. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, they're buying us well, the video games. You know, they're they're once it gets to the video store, then game on. Right. But they need to make their money in the theater, and if you've got some, you know what, that is fair. Theaters that I are remember... pretty strict on their uh, age group, then you're not the fourteen year olds not going to yeah. get in to see Terminator yeah. Two or well, or and theaters or theaters can lose their licensing for carrying certain mm-hmm. movies if they get busted for. Right. letting kids in so if there are and i do remember getting id'd for certain movies and even having it to where it's like the parent of like a buddy would mm-hmm. have to buy us the tickets mm-hmm. for the theater lesson that, that's actually something i forgot was a thing yeah, yeah. Oh, and yeah. some right. theaters would even make sure that adult was still with you when you checked in to yep. get into the theater. Yes. Yep. So, I mean, Springfield did not care. <laughs> but it, <laughs> I guess nowadays it's not so much. But I've I've always kind of just got it just kind of grates my my nerves a little bit when they're like, well, the studio wanted you know every kid to watch it and they did it PG thirteen. It's like I would have loved it more if it was R. You know, it, that's. That's me, though. That's what I grew up with, you know, action movies and horror movies and blood and guts. Mm-hmm. And I would have loved a, my first Mortal Kombat movie to have been R-rated. This this type of movie, Event Horizon type of feel, but Mortal Kombat would have been well, badass. And this movie definitely, like, lets you know right out the gate, like, because once they get to the Event Horizon and start exploring, like, all right, where is this missing mm-hmm. crew? Morpheus has the same reaction to a space floating arm that I would of freaking the hell out. And it was just a glove. It wasn't even an arm in there. That was just a glove floating past his face. It, yeah. yeah. In my head, it would be like, that's there's an arm in there. There's no shame in screaming like a little girl in that yeah. situation. Yeah. Not, not none whatsoever. And that, to me, was one of the perfect examples of a missed opportunity of a jump cut. Like a, a true jump scare. Because in real life, Every single one of us would have jumped out of our freaking skin if that had happened yeah. to us. But somehow it doesn't play across the movie like that. Like, I did not jump and watching that or seeing that. A couple years prior, Jurassic Park nailed the falling arm onto you. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. It, did. it really did. Now, this movie, though, gave me a new favorite term I didn't know I needed in my life. 
corpse sickle. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. That was yeah. gross. But see, that was another perfect Pretty opportunity gay. for another jump scare. Like, if you're priming us with that glove flying by, that body fl- floating past the girl in there should have been more tense. They should have set that up more instead mm-hmm. of just... Ah, a dead floating body, you know, and then they they close in on the face and obviously it's all messed up and everything, but there was no jump scare to it. I 100% agree with Kathleen on all of that. There is nothing scary as far as make me jump or anything in this movie. It's yeah, this movie kind of suffers a little bit from they had some really cool looking uh, models and things and they wanted to show them off. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, they had so much cool set designs that they wanted to show off. Yeah, and if you kind of, like, keep it vague and off and pounce a little bit, you go but a lot further. I do love when they turn the gravity back on and that corpse sickle just falls. <laughs> and t- yes. shatters. Explodes. And T-1000s <laughs> So everywhere. satisfying. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. he does. <laughs> he dies the same way the spider monster does in Leprechaun 4. There you go, Nate. That's how we keep this all. Oh, there we go. That way everyone knows that we are still in space. <laughs> We're all in space. Uh, even the, like what Troy's saying, the heart of the event horizon and how the way it looks that is very much like some set designer being like, look how cool this is that we made, this giant spear that spins you know, turns. Oh yeah. You bring that up, and that was the one thing I kept thinking of. When I'm designing a ship, I want to make sure I have at least 20 spikes sticking out of walls. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I want, I want my door that closes like into a small hole to have spikes on it so that, you know, when someone's trying to jump through it to escape, they're going to get impaled. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, my gravity sphere needs to look like it has hieroglyphics. Now, was I the only one that got it. major cube vibes? Do you remember that? You guys remember that movie, Saw Before Saw? Yes. Oh, oh no, I remember, I remember cube. cube. No, yes. totally. Dr. Alan Grant is traveling the, uh, I guess, the space ducks. Jeffrey tubes. To, uh, yeah, the <laughs> Jeffrey tubes. Yes. Yeah, like he's going around the space ducks to fix something. And I was also thinking, who built that? Why would you build it that way? <laughs> he did. He knew exactly he where it. he was going. He built it, right. Yeah, he's but like, like, I, who physically put it together? <laughs> well, that's the same people that built the Death Star. You know, you don't ever actually see them. But there are <laughs> there is a space construction company out there, and they get contracted <laughs> to do a lot of this work. And, you know, that's very intricate work, but Dr. Alan Grant, you know, knew all that. He knew there was a fusible link that had gone bad, and he noticed how he had magically a tool belt on, and he didn't go into the Jeffries tube with one on. But as soon as he was in there, he was like, I got my little soldering iron. I can fix this entire thing. It just lives just inside the doorway. So that <laughs> oh, there was a... You can just right, pick right, it up right. and take it. Perfect. So. There's a little yeah. locker, you know, you open yeah. this part up, there's exactly. all our Well, that's, that's at least yeah, one thing. Yeah, the whole, like, spinning ring thing that was, like, the portal or whatever, all I kept thinking mm. when I was looking at it was, like, ooh, it's like Stargate on steroids. Oh, like, yes. Yeah. Like, that's what it reminded me of. Nice. Is yeah. that well, whole opening. Oh, speaking. Yeah, well, it had the liquid in the middle, you know, where you could go mm-hmm. through it. It's just, yeah. you know, Stargate to hell. Well, that creates, like, a black hole that sucks yeah, the, right. Um, the... the the tools inside the little compartment, so you can, you know, nice and handy when you get into the tubes, is probably the one handy thing, the one relatively friendly thing, and what is otherwise like a completely hostile construction. Like just everything spiky, 
everything is terrible. The door iris is shut, probably cutting you in half. And that stupid tunnel. Yeah. The tunnel, the, the vertigo tunnel that you have to get through to get into it. Oh, the, yeah. Like, has, you can't has walk down anyone ever actually been through one of those before? Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. The fun house. It's I have. Crazy. Yeah. There's... It's like, this is stupid. Why? Yeah. yeah. You're walking and you're on your ass. It is so disorienting. Ja- Jackie called it the cheese grater hall. <laughs> She's like, it's like you're walking okay. inside of a cheese grater. And a, that was a missed opportunity that someone should have died in that thing. I was waiting for someone to get blendered up, you know, like knocked <laughs> into it. Also, it's a, like it makes sense, I guess. There's the there's the, fo- the the front part of the event horizon, then the back part, and you have the long corridor that joins them. Okay, I get it. But let's put exposed explosives all the way down the damn thing. Yeah, well, I mean, just I in case we need to blow it. <laughs> I definitely build a ship with explosives in mind, right? Exposed. You yeah. can have an auto self destruct. Everyone should have one. My my van has one. But it's just... <laughs> honestly, I feel like that's something Space Force would do. Well, yeah, no, it, it is, but it was, and the fact that I can rip it off of the wall fairly easily and then place it anywhere I want. <laughs> so, yeah, the the Sam Neil shouldn't be designing ships anymore. That's all I got. <laughs> yeah. well, like, get one. I feel like that whole hallway, like we can jettison off the other ship and you know blow this up. I almost feel like whatever theoretical research led Sam Neill's character to want to build this ship, to send it wherever, led him down some sort of path where he knew shit was going to hit the fan and that they would need to be able to escape. Because why are you designing from the get-go an option in your ship to blow up the thing that's the portal that folds space in half and escape the people away from oh. it. Like, if that's there on day one, I'm quitting that <laughs> job. So like, when I show up for the, the tour. There's... Well, right. But, I mean, like, as the original crew, when I show up for the tour and they're like, so this is where you're going to live and this is where you're going to eat. Oh, these are the bombs for when shit goes bad and we blow this part <laughs> up. It's like, exit, please. Exit, please. I could imagine that during the initial tour. Like yeah, that's the shameful part. That. We don't get enough of the the original crew of the Event Horizon because yeah, they would have well, had I, to have been guided, right? And that would have been well, horrible. Right. <laughs> they seem so happy-go-lucky in that. Well, depending video on too. Uh, yeah. depending on which cut you've seen, um, uh, which one? <laughs> depending on which cut you've seen, or uh, how much of the production stills you've seen of the cut scenes, uh, we see quite a bit of the original crew. Yeah, yeah. Scenes where they are cut. Yeah, I'm Literally. Super glad I haven't seen it. If if that. uh, I get that nice. if you've ever seen the Thank production you. stills of a lot of the uh, the hell slash torture of the original crew, yep. it's horrific. It's uh, it's really bad. it is. Well, they use actual actors that are amputees for like body parts being dismembered mm-hmm. and torn yeah. apart yeah and there's some oh my god oh it, it's it's wild i mean for the fact that we there's don't. a blood orgy that we uh get a a snippet of that they actually hired like porn stars for to like yeah yeah do like i mean they really wanted to make it to where like hey if we're going all well, out the, we're going all out the flashes do a pretty good job of giving you like some some images like there's one where there's a guy 
that somebody oh. was reaching into yeah. his mouth and like yeah. yanking himself. Yeah. something. He was doing it himself. That's, yeah. Oh, was it himself? What, I didn't Yeah, he that was up. reaching into his mouth and pulling his intestines out by himself. Yeah. And it's stuff like that where I appreciate kind of the studio infuriating because I'm like, man, if you want to show me everything, I don't know if it would have been as effective, but you not show me everything in these quick cuts and these really quick snippets, in, in my head, it, it, it's, it is hell. Like, it is so terrifying of the thoughts of what this crew tore themselves apart, mm-hmm. literally. Yeah. And who's flying ships this big with crews this small? There's only, like, eight people on the Lewis and Clark, and I think there's only, like, six people on the Event Horizon. That's a big-ass ship. Cuts. Bunch of cuts. <laughs> <laughs> that happened at the Siri. last minute. The ship was really expensive. So, yeah. You know, it's automated to a degree. It's all the people who quit when they saw it. the explosives <laughs> in the right? hallway. <laughs> <laughs> so they found like seven people that are just stupid. <laughs> right. I mean, that, that feels about right, right? They you were the people that still staff. actually showed up. Well, I do like those when everything starts to like kind of like reveal that there's something not quite right is that this ship knows everyone's fears and secrets. Mm-hmm. That's the best part. As the, yeah, the ship is yeah semi sentient. Yeah, it it has a it's possessed. It's a haunted yeah. ship. Who yeah. said that? Someone said that earlier, and I think that's the perfect way to describe this. It's a haunted yep. house yeah. in space, and it knows what you're afraid of and the and the shit you may have done in the past. And, so now and, here comes the fun and part. Your fears, right? Everyone has to explain what their fears would be that the ship would uh, attack. Ah, Charlie's is clowns. We already know that. <laughs> I will punch a clown in the mouth. Yeah, I but really it's going to be a space clown. I don't care what kind of clown it is. I'm still going to punch it in the mouth. <laughs> Dave, what is the ship going to use to against you? Nope, forget what it. What is it going nope, to take? I'm not, not going to do this. I'm doing this. <laughs> Dave's like, no, I'm out. <laughs> Dave, Dave is not participating in the exercise. Uh, Dave that just, way, just, when Dave just turned his video off. podcast episode to space. <laughs> Dave has left the program. <laughs> what about you, Troy? Oh, there would be so many snakes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> all these just infiltrating every all these MF and snakes on my MF and spaceship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's Lawrence Fishburne, not Sam Jackson, Troy. Yeah. It's okay. Uh, Pete's is having a keg of his favorite beer, but he can't like it's 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 empty. Just out of reach. Yeah, and it's just out of reach. It's, it's just out of reach. It's there. It's it's cool. all head. <laughs> and I can never get it. Yeah. Or it's labeled yeah, it your like favorite beer, but no matter what you do, Bud Light comes out of it. Oh, duels. <laughs> it's, a, it's a wall of kegs of all your favorites, and no matter what you do, it's Bud Light that comes out of it. Tough, tough try. <laughs> Kathleen's yeah. is reliving every ew moment from Good Beer, Bad uh, Movie Night. Uh, <laughs> yes. But now, no, I, I want to... I would say it's just Kathleen Turbo Kid repeated. I want I want to I want to swing back to something real quick here before Nate took us on our uh, nice little. Uh, I like everyone to expose their fears. I've done it throughout the entire history of the podcast. Hey, Nate, what I about you? Bud? I was about to say I'm curious what Nate's is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, not so fun, is it? Oh, come well, back to me. Now, yeah, I come back to you. <laughs> but I I wanted to kind of touch back where we were talking about the ship was showing everyone's fears. They weren't experiencing them till they were on the event horizon. Yes. So to go back on what Kathleen was talking about, that somehow Sam Neill has come up with this idea to build a ship, but yet have a contingency plan. He was having a nightmare before they got to the event horizon. 
he was having the nightmare on the Lewis and Clark of what a, his mm. wife, and she had the eyeballs missing in her in her head. You know, right. so it wasn't like just a normal nightmare he's having. It but, was an actual like what what he's experiencing. The, on the ship. Well, it was trauma memory. The ship brings your fears. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, he was dealing with trauma. The ship then brings that to real life. Right. Because that's the one thing, mm-hmm. that the ship isn't showing you, like, an illusion. It is showing you reality. Why were, why were her eyes missing, though? I, I'm going to so, guess that because he found her... If, if we're to believe... Because I kept waiting through the movie for her to be on the ship. Like, I thought that's why he was so Yeah, I thought she was a member. To, oh, right, yeah. we're going to yeah. find this ship, we're going to find this crew, we're going to bring them back because she was a crew member. You don't find out until later that she's committed suicide because potentially He's, he works too much? I yeah. don't know. I, don't um, know. I mean, that's it, the way they laid it out. I'm sure that's not what it really it just is, kinda, but... It just kind of opened up this door to maybe he, he was... I don't want to say possessed, but he was led to create this thing. Like some other. The hell oh, was inside yeah. of us the whole time. We all have hell inside of us. That's actually uh, very close to what I was thinking uh, when I first saw this movie. And then, because uh, what they're really, the ship is, if it if it's not alive, it definitely has some kind, I mean, it's not sentient, I should say. It definitely has its own yeah. will. And yes. it doesn't really make you face your fears. It makes you face your pain and your guilt. It makes us, as the right. viewer, view it through a lens ah. of fear. But there, right. I mean, there, it's in horror. So, well, yeah, it's everyone that like Lawrence Fishburne let the one guy die, mm-hmm. which he had to, but he still regrets it. The right. the woman's son, mm-hmm. which I'm, that was hard to pick up on. I've watched it several times, but he is in a wheelchair, mm-hmm. I think, and that was. But his legs are mm-hmm. like cut up. Well, that was, I think, the ship messing with her mind showing like this torturous look to his legs but it was one of those things that i kept because all the flashbacks were showing him sitting down and in a lot of the pictures so i was like i think he's in a wheelchair and so when he's running in the ship and she's chasing him that would kind of lead why she's like trying to follow mm-hmm. him like he shouldn't be able to walk or something like that but. or she's reliving whatever trauma accident caused mm-hmm. yeah. his legs to be mm-hmm. busted up and therefore he needs that mm-hmm. care because she had to take she had to make a point of saying that her ex-husband is taking care of the kid and she'll get him in the summer because they're being called off of a leave to do this yeah so um it's obviously a bigger deal than just, mm-hmm. you know, leaving the kid with the spouse kind of thing. Yeah. And not everyone, we don't see everyone's, like, reactions to, like, the ship isn't going after everyone on the crew either. Mm-hmm. I don't think Cooper ever sees anything. Yeah, I was going to say, mm-hmm. I don't think Cooper ever does. Um, um, the, uh, not, the pilot. The not, not Jason Isaacs, the guy from Alien 3. Um, yeah, Smith. Smith. I don't think he ever experienced, other than they hear the noises mm-hmm. that everyone else is hearing. Um, they don't ever have, like, these hallucinogenic things. And the one guy, we he literally gets sucked through the portal and comes back. So that's... Mm-hmm. You know, the reason why he's in a catatonic state the entire time, which that's even his whole thing when he kind of snaps out of it in the airlock. That was actually more painful and distressful to watch than some of the body horror stuff that where he's just like truly scared. Mm -hmm. 
like, yeah, freaking he's freaking out. out. Well, he did such a that, I love yeah, that entire wonderful. thing. Yeah, I do like the way that Morpheus tries to calm him down as he is outside mm-hmm. in the spacesuit trying to yeah, get to. Yeah, he's like, this is going to suck. His, mm-hmm. his I love that whole sequence, mm-hmm. how he is. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, how he grabs fantastic. him and pushes him. I mean, the dude was in space, and then they push him back in. Mm-hmm. And to still be alive, I think he was tortured more than anyone in this movie, honestly. Yeah, especially when he is spitting up mm-hmm. all that blood and, like, convulsing. Like, yeah. It's gross. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Nate. And it's just an intense scene all around. We uh, we need to hit a commercial break here for a second, Bubba. Oh, oh have we not done that yet? Uh, we have not, sir. We have oh. not. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me pay attention to our own podcast. <laughs> Good job, host. All right, we'll be back after these messages. We'll be back following these messages. Do you like horror movies? Do you like hanging out with your friends? Do you like having a laugh? Do you like podcasts? Well, you should check out our podcast, Spoils of Horror. We're not a review show. We're a horror movie hangout where we talk about movies that are lost, forgotten, popular, and bizarre, all in the scary realm. You can listen to our podcast while you're doing just about anything. You could be washing your dishes. You could be washing your cat. You could be washing your genitals. (laughs) (laughs) All forms of genitals accepted. (laughs) We are a fully inclusive genitalia show. Yes, we are the number one ideal podcast for washing your genitals. Our genital Yelp reviews are unsurpassed. Five and a half stars. <laughs> you don't want to know where that half came from. Uh... <laughs> now that you know that, check us out on all major platforms. You can search for Spoils of Horror on all social media sites. Come and hang out with us. We'd love to see you. And your genitals. <laughs> Bye. Out here we entertain ourselves at home. So we got an Atari video game. There's so many different games to play. We especially like Space Invaders. Zapping those little devils from outer space. It's fun. But personally, I think the whole idea of creatures from outer space is a little far-fetched. No other company offers you as many different video game cartridges as Atari. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling, the podcast that's based on the old school, but can still help you find the good stuff from today. Dangerous Dan Colley, the Professor Jimmy Street, and the Plastic Sheik Jared are the undisputed six-man tag team champions of the wrestling podcast world. From thought-provoking topics to superstar interviews to action figure expertise, this trio does it all, and all they ask is... Give me back my pro wrestling. Every other Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back. Well, those are some delightful commercials that you decide to play, Charlie. In space. <laughs> in space. I especially like the one that did the one thing in space. That was a lot of cool space uh, adventuring. Yeah. Space adventuring. <laughs> I didn't want to say one thing. We made fun of uh, Leprechaun 4 uh, because they kept showing the outside of the ship going, look how awesome we did. This one, though, I love the design of the ships and the outside special effects of this thing. 
Yeah, I, I listened to the commentary track. Oh, nice. Because of I'm, course you I'm did. At, of course I did. Uh, the, the quality of the commentary track uh, aside, uh, they did what uh, Anderson did say that they had like, it was like a, it was a huge model. The, the ship that they uh, made. It was enormous. It was like 17 feet long or something like that. It was huge. Uh, and it was real meticulous. And they really were very proud of what they did. And they should be. That shot on, of that ship was gorgeous. And there wasn't a whole lot of uh, CG. That... Anderson did say a lot about, we really tried very hard to use CG as an enhancement and not as the thing. Mm. Which, when they used CG as the thing, I thought it fell a little short. But when they used it as an enhancement, I thought it really brought this the scene and the mm-hmm. set to life. It's uh, really nice. Yeah. Like the stuff that was floating, the wrenches and and the the, watch. the, 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 the bottle of water and stuff. I was like, oh, that's that's bad. I, I, that's just them showing off mm-hmm. at the time, though. Too. <laughs> it's like, true. That's one of those things I wish I could and go they, back and be like, was that cool or did it look stupid? Fix. Fix the color. It, the, the problem was the color. It, it did, the color palette didn't match, and and clearly the the, the way the light fell on. But the it stuff was ninety seven. Well. Again, we have to right. go back and and we had Jurassic Park at that time, but with this movie did not have Jurassic Park. Money. No, no, but it had a lot of money that it did not need to have. <laughs> Jurassic Park didn't have a lot of CGI. Jurassic Park literally built a giant Tyrannosaurus. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it, it did. It did. But there was a lot of great stuff. Like they, they really, they blew up that ship at the end. And Anderson was like, "This is my favorite shot. Watch this." And just, and it, oh, it was so good. That whole, as it, the whole delayed thing, as it was, like this, this one goes off. This C four goes off. This C four goes off. Yeah. Boom, 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 and it, it blows up the ship. That was a hell of a shot, man. That was so good. And it was mm-hmm. all practical. It was wonderful. They they didn't screw around with a lot of. Uh, CG flames like at the end here's here's something I was like opened my mouth like what um, uh, Lawrence Fishburne actually reached through that fire to grab the self-destruct button they they coated his arm in, in a fire retardant. oh okay that's yeah and and he reached through the fire to grab the uh, detonator the, the destruct button yeah the detonator <laughs> yeah I really liked I really like the even the sets. I thought the sets were amazing. Like you guys said earlier, the 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 set where the black hole machine was, that was on, on Pinewood Studios. Does that yeah. sound right in yeah. England? Oh, and it was this film was was this was uh, done in right over Christmas, so it's really cold. And this is nothing but a big tin building, mm-hmm. so it was sub zero temperatures in there, and and. Uh, I almost said Vince Neal. Vince <laughs> Neal, huh? Vince Neal. <laughs> He's the one you call Dr. Feel Good. <laughs> yeah. girls, exactly. girls, girls. Sam Neal. <laughs> I, I, he was practically naked in that uh, in that suit that he was wearing where he was all caught yeah. up and shit. So what you're saying That's then the is the guy that was on fire was actually enjoying himself the most? <laughs> Probably, yeah. Sam Neill was was allowed to be next to the heater, but not too close because the prosthetic would start to melt. <laughs> He's like, you've heard of shrinkage. <laughs> like a frightened turtle. Anyway, <laughs> I love the, my favorite part about the commentary was it was Anderson and the producer that was that who had produced this 
Uh, they were talking about oh how cool the the special effects were, or at least the the practical effects, and how much time they took uh, to really make it all come home. I, mean, one I, I really the... enjoyed that. No, and that's one of the th- that's one of the things that's made this movie stick with me the most was how it looks. Mm-hmm. the The visuals of this movie they put a lot of thought into it. It wasn't cheaply done. It wasn't quickly done either. And that's kind of the reason it has such a staying power with me. Like, yeah, the story has a lot of holes and a lot of issues, well, but they, I can still really appreciate what it looks like. The look of it really drove home the, 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 the torture hellscape of it. I mean, like, I'm not a religious person, but there's something about movies about hell that, that freak me out quite a bit. No, yeah, I, I think the visuals of it, this movie kind of sets a tone. Even when they start on the Lewis and Clark, mm-hmm. it has this very, like, barren, this bare bones, even though we're in space and we travel a lot, there's, there's no creature comforts. Mm-hmm. There's no, you know... Like, I swear the other guys, well, uh, Lawrence Fishburne has a hanging chair. Everyone else is in roller office chairs. Like, they're not attached to the floor anywhere. They just kind of go wherever, like, the <laughs> ship, like, turns. They're like, whoa, now we're going to the right. Whoa, they're going to look like on Star Trek. Yeah. Whenever the ship would move, they would move. But, like, OG, the yeah. movie doesn't try to look like Alien, except for maybe, what, the cafeteria with that being all white. But even then, I was like, mm-hmm. with the Lewis and Clark being a different ship and that all being white, it's very heavenly looking. Mm. Okay, yeah. And it's not uh, hell. <laughs> like, the other ship with definitely... With the liquefied people yeah. stuck to the wall. <laughs> I like what you've oh, done over here. New art piece. Great. <laughs> you know, that's actually a good point. I, the, the ship, the Lewis and Clark, it looks like a ship that people work in. It's not like, you know, smooth... Star Trek lines or anything like that. It's it looks like it's uh, like a working vessel, like a a crew yeah, of people it, who it, work with their hands. Like it's purpose built. Well, mm-hmm. and it is. It was a rescue vessel. They are a rescue crew, and it's no no BS, no bullshit. This is what it's for. You're gonna go get it. Mm-hmm. Just, and like they were like two days away from retirement, so <laughs> they were forced to do this mission. You do kind of get that feel a little bit from them. Nobody is excited to go do this at no. all. I'm getting too old for this <laughs> shit. Sounded like they got pulled out of uh, yeah. league. Yeah, yeah. It, it was like uh, their vacation this, break like, or whatever. And, yeah, like they were they were on their summer that, break. That's a that's a trope, got, like with the alien and monster true. movies. It's always like, well, I better get paid extra for this mission they're sending us on, mm-hmm. or you know, I better get hazard pay and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Is this another bug hunt, Sarge? You know those kind of <laughs> kind of thing. That's the other trope that we got is is the the military talk where they're locked, cocked, and ready <laughs> yeah, to rock. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, and everything's green on my screen, Sarge. <laughs> and our our, uh, our uh, that's Leprechaun yeah, that was for sure. <laughs> our comedy relief with Cooper it was probably the one thing that always just felt a tad bit disjointed with him. Right, like when he gets blown off of the spaceship and it's just. Like floating through space, they play that off for laughs. I'm like, that's horrific. <laughs> yeah, they did a whole movie about out. it. <laughs> yeah, he's trying to figure out yeah. how to like blast himself back to be connected to these mm-hmm. ships, and it's like, it's like jokey everything yeah. that he's doing and saying, which was weird. His whole character was weird. Like, 
ah, cha guy. And well, it, he, like, just didn't. He's the guy with quips. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, he, I really like that actor. Kind of... I, I really like most of the people that were in this cast. I was pretty, having not seen this since 1997, to go back and see it again, I was like, eh, I know that guy. I know that guy. I know that guy. Like, <laughs> so I enjoyed this cast, but I, I didn't feel like his character made sense to what he didn't was going on fit in my opinion you know just that the character because right. and they even play it up when Lawrence Fishburne's like tell them what you do and it's like it's a bit that they've rehearsed before you know even when he's fixing the ship I like how they're fixing the ship with what's essentially spray foam and giant nails shot from a Gatling gun. Yeah, I want and tin one. foil. And tin foil. That'll work out. It's all good. We're good to go. Five by five, Sarge. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, he just, five and he's hitting five. on the one other crew member, uh, the female. And, yeah, and then it ends. <laughs> I, think, I think that was really a joke. I don't think he was actually hitting on her. When they came out of cryo, yeah, is that what well, you're talking about? doing that. But the yeah. weird thing was that, uh, they're the two that survive at the end. Right. Which yeah. is also kind of weird that it's like the two of the people to survive. I mean, other than Sam Neill and Lawrence Fishburne, all of the other characters are as equally expendable through the entire right. film. So if Sam Neill and Lawrence Fishburne aren't the two to survive, it doesn't matter who survives beyond that. And I feel because like the whole rest of the crew is equally expendable. And I feel like I don't want to pick on just her. She was even more expendable in my opinion. She almost offered nothing. And they tried to, she's the one that kind of came up with the best theory that, there's something going on with the ship. Every time something bad happens, we get a life form blip. And oh, yeah, definitely. She, she spot was spot on. on I mean, and then it's totally yeah. dropped from there on. She doesn't yeah. tell anyone else. She doesn't have a talk with Sam Neill. You know, nothing. And that could be something that was cut because Paul Anderson does mention, like, when he was, like, forced to cut stuff, he felt like he cut, like, a little bit too much, but the time crunch, mm. so... There might have been something. Yeah, there he was, was rushed like, oh, to, to edit this. It was a, it was a, a shortened for whatever reason they wanted. To then get maybe this there out was a better game. reason and that they survived. And also, I don't think she it, had a, a uh, an episode with the ship, did she? She neither she or Coop did, and I think that part of that no. is because neither of them never like made kind of any kind of contact with the goop that comes out of the stargate Ooh, that's a good theory so you know because even the the little english guy who was like i went off the ship i went off the ship i'm not doing this that ends up dying because sam neil stole the uh explosives from the hallway and put him in the other ship instead oh, Smith, yeah. he yeah you're talking about john Pertley i know here. i really like him <laughs> Um, uh-huh. he, he's in a lot of my British procedurals. So he was one of the uh-huh. first ones I was like, Oh, 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 he's usually a really bad, bad guy. Yeah. Do- Dr. He was, yeah, that, was that the one that was in alien three? Mm-hmm. Is that who we're talking about? Was he, uh, in alien 3? he was in Gotham the recently. Smith character. Yeah. Yeah. The Smith character. Yeah. He was in yeah. alien three. Was he? Yes. Okay. But he also did not have a, like, hallucination and also did not really interact with 
the core or whatever. But he was definitely adamant of like, I don't want to be on this right. ship. Right. Yes. I mean, so much to the fact that when he and um, Mama Bear, whatever her character name was, uh, were pulling the CO2 scrubbers out of the thing to take them back to the Lewis and Clark, mm-hmm. he's got a bunch of them. She's got a bunch of them. She drops some and turns and stops he does not turn around once no. he is not like lady let's go he doesn't say anything he's just like i got what i need and i'm getting the hell out of here well she was so, she was counting them and he was trying to speed her up she's like we need 25 minimum and he's like right. i don't care and they right. still didn't get 25 and they were still trying to get on the ship yeah so i think that you know i think that's part of the reason that the two characters that did end up surviving, I think you're right. It's tied to the fact that they never had any contact with the hell goo from the from the core. And one of the things I thought, or I guess that I took away, I was like, well, maybe they just don't have anything that they're guilty of. <laughs> like, they are clean souls, but I don't know. I mean, that, Now you got me wondering. It is kind of weird how there's only certain ones that experienced the ship. The ship zeroed in on certain members of the crew. Those are pretty extreme traumas, too. So maybe those folks didn't have any extreme trauma in their life. I mean, that's possible. Who doesn't? I mean, yeah. who, who doesn't experience sadness or, or heartbreak or, or something terrible to them? But Lawrence Fishburne leaving a man behind. Oh, dear Lord. Mm. Is that a... Yeah. And, and watching uh, him... You, you don't get, you don't get over that. Burn to death, you know? Right. Like... Yeah. Yeah. Well, the way he describes the flames, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that the way they it, it has really kind of cemented in him. And I like that he's almost reliving that, too, in the final conflict. Mm-hmm. He is literally in the flames fighting uh, Sam Neill, mm-hmm. you know, and there are liquid flames coming at him. And no, that guy wasn't an Alien 3. It's someone else that looked really, really like him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was just taking your word for it, but... Yeah. Well, I like to double check shit, and I was I wrong. Rem- I don't think I've seen I'm that. I'm glad you did. Or I don't remember it if I have. Don't There's Pete Postal Wait. Yes. Oh, yeah, I like him a lot, too. Yeah. Well, yeah, this... Okay, so... Do you believe that this ship had a will, like it wanted to do something? Do you, Well, first of all, do you believe the ship was alive? Or do you believe there's something alive in the ship? I think the ship became alive once it transported into the hell dimension. I think something's controlling the ship through the portal. I, I, I'm going that direction. I'm like, there is a, I don't, I'm not sure if the ship itself is sentient, but I think there is a, something has possessed the ship. Yeah. I think it has to, it's got to be connected to the portal because if it was the ship as a whole, the lifeboat wouldn't be successful. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. They wouldn't have been able to separate. It would have. Yeah. Jettisoning the lifeboat, the lifeboat still would have killed them. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I think that, I think that whatever it was that was doing whatever was happening was coming through the portal. Yeah, because it would have been able to stop like the uh, distress beacon they send out. It potentially could have stopped the self destruct with the bombs if it was the ship being sentient, because it would have known. Mm-hmm. how to control its own mechanics. I really think it was just almost like a, f- a, a force coming from the portal that is 
somehow able to just get into everyone's minds. Um, and basically, because what it is is once it takes over a mind, now that person is that extension of mm-hmm. whatever it is. Because uh, Justin calls it the darkness is here. Mm-hmm. He is here, the darkness. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it was a, a presence on the ship, not the ship itself. It, it, that could check out, too, as to why Dr. Alan Grant gets superhuman strength. Well, yeah, I mean, he's tossing people around. He was a he was a conduit to whatever was mm-hmm. trying yeah. trying or had come yeah. over. Or and that, why Justin wants to kill himself mm-hmm. when he become like when he slightly, you know, when he comes out, kind of snaps out of the coma, and the first thing he does is try to head straight for that airlock because he doesn't want whatever's inside of him anymore. He wants to be done with it. Yeah, and the fact that he's able to snap out of it means that there's something somewhat had control over him. And there's and it lets go yeah. so that it yeah. doesn't go out with him, which is that panic at the end. Exactly. He's like, wait, why am I in this room? Let me out. Yeah, it relinquished to try and... Nice. Uh, yeah. Not It's trying to fool everyone else. It's still inside mm-hmm. Justin, but it was a self-preservation moment for whatever's controlling him. But no, and I, that, yeah, that's why you know Sam Neill gets like the power. And also, I I think something's been cut that I I'm still going to stay on this whole thing of I think he was led to create this thing, you know, because now he's like the main portal okay. of whatever this is, you know. So, well, he seems really attached to the ship. And, the instant they, I mean, before they even get there, he seems to be very. Oh, he's excited right. so, to talk so about. So that's kind of work. that's yeah. kind of where I was leading. So do you do you feel maybe perhaps that the ship is an extension of his own will and his own guilt? Like, and so that th- when the ship goes and comes back with whatever is in it or whatever it has become, it's become sort of an extension of his will, and it it's it's given him the power to be, or it's kind of taken him over as far as like his own fear and guilt and i think it's he's definitely become more susceptible than any of the other members on the ship for sure it would be interesting to know in their timeline of his timeline when did his wife kill herself Mm -hmm. before he started working on that ship while he was in the process of that or like you know at its completion kind of thing like because that trauma is clearly something that's going to open him up to some susceptibility because of the hole that's going to rip in him because of the guilt that he feels whatever why because we don't really know why she kills herself and we don't really know why he feels so responsible for that choice that she makes but where did that happen in the process of this ship creation right and i that goes back to Charlie's uh, theory that there's some cut mm-hmm. shit that's... Well, and that's I was going to bring that up again was also he's the only one that immediately decides I'm going to protect the ship at all costs. He's He hasn't really experienced any of the major hallucinations except for his wife in the the tubes. But when they have that final like discussion between him and... Uh, Lawrence Fishburne in the hallway where he just fades into the shadow it's he's already been took over by whatever I force is in there yeah he, he's already and there one of the things 
he talks about is that the ship wants to go back. Mm -hmm. So it could be like whatever's possessing him is mm -hmm. like, no, come back home. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Basically. And when you're going to come back home, now you got more of these uh, crew members to have fun with. Uh, and it's also, again, it all could have been cut out. It could have been fleshed out that the ship came back for him. Mm -hmm. And the distress beacon was for him to come back to the ship. And then it can go back to hell. Like the whole thing was just a journey of his his own making. He created the ship. He sent the ship. It went there. And now it's calling him back. And to bring him full, and it's whoever just happened to be there, because it didn't care about the crew it killed. Mm -hmm. You know, it didn't make that captain go as nuts as the Sam Neil character. He's ripping his own eyeballs out and everything. You know, losing his shit. And so it's like Sam Neil is the main reason the ship is there to reclaim him back. Well, I think maybe that's why, like, whatever presence is just happy. Like, oh, you found me. Mm -hmm. So clearly, like, because you found me, you're special. And that's why I'm attacking, like, you and letting you kind of be not um, tortured right now. Like, you're going to be the one to kind of do my dealings. Because even he says, like, it's one of my favorite senses, like favorite lines in the movie is, hell is only a word. Reality is much, much worse. Mm -hmm. Like, that is dark. Right. <laughs> We're only calling it hell because we have no other Yeah, whatever dimension it went to, yeah. but it's it's a hell. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's Well, and depending on like your kind of thought process of from a religious point of view, too, in a lot of religions suicide is considered a uh, damnable yeah, the ultimate sin. An unforgivable sin. The ultimate sin. Right, yes. it's an unforgivable sin. Unfor so going back to, you know, my question of where in the process did she kill herself? Had the ship already taken off through this fold in space and is doing whatever it's doing, she kills herself, she ends up in hell, and it's her that's coming back through because in all of his dreams of her, she keeps saying, you're going to be with me. You're going to be with me. See, that's what I would have wanted to see because like we were talking about earlier, we felt like she either should have been a member on the other ship that he's going out to find her. There should have been that connection that her ultimate basically revenge is you've made me kill myself and damn myself because of this ship. I am now going to use your creation to damn you with me yeah, that's, and bring you back to hell. With that, me. that is actually, yeah, you're, you're touching on something that I kind of felt pretty strongly about when I, about this movie is that there were so many missed opportunities and we've mentioned a few of them already, but like the setup, like the first act was so good and it, it mm -hmm. set us all up for all these horrific things. And then it just kind of gets disjointed. I mean, maybe it was like, uh, like you said, Nate, like had to do with the editing or, or the studio um, studio interference, but whatever the case, there was just a lot of stuff that was through the potential and the setup was there, and it just kind of never really got where we wanted it to go. It didn't have as re as as satisfying a resolution as it could have had had would there been right. more emotional investment, especially the mm -hmm. the very end of the movie, like you know Lawrence Fishburne sacrificed himself to to save the last two characters they find themselves in status and they're like we'll just wait until the distress beacon and someone can find us and mm -hmm. now at that point 
you have our three characters that are alive, including one of them is Justin, who has been technically possessed. To me, that's where I feel like he would still be possessed, and whatever he saw, he would still try to finish, like or try to end. So even though it seems like they're all rescued at the very end, I feel like because of whatever was inside him, he would still try to tear that out or not believe that the crew around him is safe like or, or his allies anymore. So I still feel like my interpretation of it all is it's still a very dark ending. Well, mm-hmm. and you still have... Um, her name was Stark. Was That's her name. That I couldn't remember. She has mm-hmm. that... She has that meltdown. She has that mm-hmm. vision of uh, Sam Neill attacking mm-hmm. her. And then it snaps out. We get that false ending. And then all of a sudden it's back. Um, so it, we, it's like they tried to give us this ambiguous ending that is it actually over? Is it not over? But be, but because we... Yeah, but then they instantly did the let's do the happy ending. do 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 and then that's when they went with that. Well, ending. they ended with her <laughs> screaming, so I wouldn't call it the do 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 happy ending. Uh, well, you then know. that it's it was the, the Carrie ending, like, almost like a Lovecraft. Yeah, yeah, it's a Lovecraftian ending of like they've gone insane. No matter. Well, I mean, you remember but, uh, the, the character in uh, at the end of Carrie, where like it was that sort of that uh, bait and switch, where like she's the, at the end of the movie Carrie, she's screaming at the end. Um, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and, she's at the yeah. house where it yeah. co- collapsed on itself, and it reached. She reached up and grabbed her, and she's screaming. Yeah. Spoilers. But I sorry. think if they, if we go like what Dave was saying, if we'd had a more put together story of a clear, I don't. I'm trying to even think of the right words. A clear plot to it. This is what it's doing. This is what its goal is. This is mm-hmm. what its end game is. Then it, we could have had a bit more of a ending like that that we could have been like, oh, shit, it's not over. Oh. That this isn't the end. Oh, I got it. Okay, so at, so any good haunted house movie is at its core a mystery. And so like as the, as the, the narrative progresses, more clues are uncovered as to why this is all happening to begin with. This movie did not have that. It did not. So, like at the at the very end of a of a haunted house movie, you find out like, oh, it's the spirit of this little girl who you know just wanted to play with her puppy or whatever, or you know, there was you know, witches' is, blood the, the whole time. <laughs> right. The call. Oh, it was house. This movie yeah. was House by the Cemetery. It made absolutely no sense. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. Just no Bob. So, <laughs> but no. Um, well, Nate, I think we've talked through the movie pretty good. We kind of just ended to the end there, yeah? I think we've I think done so. the movie justice. Uh, I think Paul W.S. Anderson never thought anyone <laughs> would actually dissect this movie like we have on a philosophical level, so yeah. let's go. Go us's. <laughs> so uh, you want to do uh, so, you want to do the things? Should we, should, should we get into some raining blood because it actually rains blood? Let's do In some this rain movie. blood. Let's, let's hit the music. All right. So this week, Event Horizon... In space, raining bloods, 
you would think this number would be higher. And I think I'm going to have to add an asterisk due to our conversation is the body count for this is 12. Just 12 people die in this movie. It doesn't seem that way, does it? I don't think so because of how often you know, get to see. Crew. Yeah, it's limited to limited crews. To, to and crews, you kind of just right. see them going back and forth of being tortured. Yeah, but I think my asterisk is going to be I feel like we never actually get to see the full crew from the first ship from the event Horizon. And the count is only what we see in that little flashback of the crew. And that's what they're counting. But I think in the uncut version of this movie that didn't make it, there was probably at least 20 more people involved with what we've been told about with the amputees and the other stuff in the orgy scenes. So my asterisk is going to be this movie potentially had a higher body count, but the actual body count for this movie is only 12. Are you counting the wife, too? Yeah. So, Well, it's not quantity yes. on this. Yeah. It's quality, because they are killed really, really quick kills. Well, the Lewis Choice. and Clark, the crew of that is only eight, and two of them survive. So the the only countable deaths that we see on screen are six members of the other ship plus the wife you know so it's only 12 i mean it's not a lot but you do you get a lot of prolonged you know a dead body floating around and then it shatters into a million pieces yeah. you know or like peter's falling off a piece of the ship yeah. in that ragdoll effect of when she crashes onto a metal mm, crate so good oh, that was really it, good. it was man especially with the, the blood really just good. all of a sudden appearing around her and everything it no it yeah. was really good and you know we can't count things like the guy that was on fire you know he was just a little an right. hallucin- hallucination hallucination uh as long with you know same with the kid and anything else that was involved um the wife is only counted because we know she died you know that was and it was kind of shown in flashback of her dying so mm-hmm. not not oh, huge yeah. but like like troy said we like to do with uh quantity not so much quality every time so that's our raining blood so nate do you do we are we doing a kill of the week or are we not doing a kill of the week i don't know i'd say we take a vote does everyone want to do kill of the week I mean, remind me what that is. It just means you pick your favorite kill from the movie. Oh, God. <laughs> I definitely want to do it so I can hear Kathleen. <laughs> We're right. doing it. I have to think about it for a second, so I need to go last. All right, Dave, you're up first. Your kill of the week. Oh, that's that. Uh, it was kind of a toss-up, but I'm going to have to go with uh, Doc Jason Isaac. Because that one was, that was the one that really made me cringe. I mean, because, I mean, uh, the yeah. lady falling from a, that height and then just like, the that was awesome, but and like horrific. But the, the evisceration and just seeing him suspended like that, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's that's uh, the one that really got me. Nice. What about you, Troy? I liked, and he didn't die though. It's kind of it's kind of but Justin going out the airlock. And like that, because they described everything that was going to happen, like how his eyeballs were going to boil, and like he had, or no, I just saw a Doctor Who where they were talking yeah. about that, so I got it a little bit. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, as one does, as one does. But like, uh, but I was thinking about that the whole time. That is true. But yeah, like him, 
having to exhale and his blood everywhere and like they tackle him back in. Justin's airlock scene was. We'll let my Troy favorite. bend the rules this time. That's fine. Yeah, we'll that bend. one's allowed. Yeah, that one's sorry. allowed. What about you, Charlie? Ah, uh, I was gonna say the doctor that gets it basically op- opened up, which I thought was. They mm-hmm. skipped over something, or, or maybe I've never seen it, but the dude had a scar. Like, he had had a surgery before. That, Yeah, that was his, that was his fear. There was some, supposedly there was a, a, a trauma in his life that he was afraid of. And he was, yeah, he had a scar from his chest to his yeah. You get a as, hint that he's going to, he's just about to tell Lawrence Fishburne that story after mm-hmm, Lawrence mm-hmm. Fishburne tells him about leaving the guy behind, but they get interrupted. Yeah, because Lawrence is telling him, I've never told that story to anyone ever. How did, how would this ship know? But no, I'm going to go with that because that is, that is a true Hellraiser moment in this oh, where very he's much just so. strung up by hooks and strings and his entrails are on the table under him. It It's just wild. So Pete, what about you, brother? One of my favorite things in cinema is throwing a dummy off of a building and watching it tumble <laughs> hither and through with the limbs all of spaghetti ink all over the place. And I, I think I've seen the best version of that in this movie because when they threw, I, I don't know how or what they did. If that was a dummy that they tossed off of a high place to hit every rung, Homer Simpson <laughs> style, <laughs> down to her death, it was awesome. And her just, that was my favorite. It was it was so much fun to see a, an actual good dummy fall <laughs> I guess it was a really and it like the camera and didn't shy away it, it didn't no. and then when she landed she wasn't quite dead no yet. she was still gurgling she was yeah. still oh, oh. and there's that something about favorite. her landing on a metal mm-hmm. grate oh, oh yeah, yeah. Just hurt don't walk on a metal grate and then be like oh what if I fell on that Ugh. well yeah I, I sit on uh, lawn chairs and I get waffle butt <laughs> I would imagine that she's got some waffle sort of skull. great back <laughs> Waffle skull, yeah. right? Yeah, thank you. That's that's better than where I was going. Oh Appreciate that. <laughs> thank you for oh, Ka- Kathleen. Do you still need another minute? Yeah, because Nate's still got to go. Yeah. All right. Go ahead, Nate. All right. The one that's always stuck out to me is the crew member sticking his own arm through his mouth and then ripping out his intestines. Oh gosh. Oh, yeah. Just uh, that's a good one. Uh, Matt, you, your brain will not allow you to bite your own tongue off, right? So the fact of someone's force, their own pure will of reaching in and starting to grab, ugh, no, it's gross, it's terrible. I like how Pete's <laughs> trying. Uppercut yourself, Pete. See if it works that way. <laughs> now go. this leads us to <laughs> Kathleen. Oh my goodness. <laughs> She's like, oh, this God. is a stupid I mean, segment. You have to pick your own ew moment. <laughs> well, here's what I'll say. In the spirit of how you run your show, I, I agree with, and I think it was Dave, about the Jason Isaacs character being just cracked open and spilled over. That was awful. Like, so, so, so awful. And it reminds me of, uh, there's a scene very similar to that in um, Silence of the Lambs. Yes, there are. Or, yes, the Blood uh, Eagle. Yeah, someone was, was ripped yes. open. 
The, yes, yes, the Blood Eagle, right. So, like, that was very much like, oh, God, that is awful. So if that's the goal, then there you go. <laughs> the, the people sort of ripping themselves to pieces that you get in all the quick flashes at the end when you're, like, learning what happened to the original crew – I was super grateful that that was done in super fast flashes. So they didn't really have to see all of it kind of thing. But, um, yeah, I also really hate eyeball stuff. Like when people, like, poke their own eyeballs out or rip their own eyeballs out. So there was that scene from the saved video that they were able to clean up of the original captain like holding out his hand with an eyeball on the end of it yeah yeah that was i was close to walking at that point like i was like oh what are we getting into but then you don't see anything (laughs) gross for a while after that so i was like okay sam neil pulls his own he does but it's different he doesn't like try to give them back to you as a present like (laughs) he puts them in his pocket for later right i mean he still needs to see where he's going (laughs) (laughs) all right well that was kill of the week the extended version yes it it. was now we gotta go for an extended version of our machetes all right guys it's okay he just wanted his machete back all right, I'm just going to go in the same order. Dave, you're up first. What's your rating of Event Horizon? Uh, I want to rate it higher because I did think the movie was cool, but I can't ignore the missed opportunities, so I'm going to have to go about a six. Eh, fair. All right. Fair. 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 Yeah. Troy? Yeah, that's where I was going, too. Six, six is what I have. Uh, the design and the acting are both really really good and i enjoyed both of those there's a little bit story that just they needed to punch it up maybe give me a little less sheer horror a little more interest and fun too i would have liked that but well you wouldn't you didn't think cooper was fun you know all that fun we (laughs) actually i i appreciated that they were trying i just don't think that really worked cooper does not really work what about uh oh you charlie (laughs) Oh, me? I've probably seen this movie the most out of everyone here, probably combined. Fair. Um, I really enjoy this movie. I love the visuals of it. While I should ding it for story, I feel like the story may have been there and it got neutered by the studio, so I can't fault Paul W.S. Anderson for that. I'm giving a seven and a half. Seven and a half machetes for this. Nice. Pete, hit us up. Uh, yeah, I'll do six and a half. It's, I like the practical effects. I like the horror and the, these, this cast clearly had a good time doing this. Nobody was phoning this performance in Fishburne, Neil, they were all having a good damn time and, uh, it it came across on the screen to me. So, uh, but man, there's just some spots really just like. Come on, uh, resolve this, and and you didn't. So, uh, six and a half. I will watch this again, but it's a six and a half. Respect. <laughs> All right, Kathleen, do you want to go? Sure, I can go. Uh, I stand by my original statement about how what I felt about this movie exactly the way I did back in 1997. It it wasn't 
it missed the opportunity to actually be jump scary and I was confused by the whole thought process and what have you. So I'm going to say like three and a half. Like it wasn't, I, I don't do gore, so I'm not really going to give points for gore. Like that's, but because that's the concept of the movie, I don't feel like I'm going to take away from that either. But I just, I don't know. I clearly haven't watched this movie in over 20 years and didn't miss it in the intervening time. So I'm glad we made you rewatch it. <laughs> I mean, you know, I've watched worse. So I do appreciate that you didn't make me watch something that was a total fountain fest. So I know you've watched worse. You're welcome. Uh, yeah. You, yeah, I was going to say, it's your fault. Uh, Usually, yeah, it seems fault, like it's yeah. always Dave's fault. Uh, yes, you're all right, Nate. What do you rate this bad boy at? Uh, I'm right there in line with you, Charlie. A nice 7.5. I really enjoy this movie, even after revisiting it. Um, the concept is scary to me. Um, the fact that a lot of it is kind of your imagination playing into the fear really works for me. I, I like, for instance, we're talking about the doctor being cut up. Like, you don't get to see him get cut up. You see the aftermath of it. So you can only imagine the fear that's going on to him as he's watching himself literally be, be butchered alive. And then to have his body strung up and have the meat hooks hanging him there. Like, I, it's terrifying to me. Um, the set designs are really cool. I mean, all around, like, it's more enjoyable than I ever thought it would be. And that's why I kind of leave higher than I ever thought I would with this. So what you say is you're a fan of Paul W.S. Anderson now. <laughs> I at least like this movie. And I, I, do, <laughs> I do like the first Mortal Kombat. It's stupid fun. Yeah. That is dumb fun. But of course, yep. there are people with trash opinions. You're trash, Nate. I hate you. See, <laughs> I, I can't do a live drop, but I'll say the drop. All right. Uh, all right. What's our trash opinion this week, Nate? I got two of them. This one comes from Kuroshi back in 1999. We're going way back. In an empty theater, no one can hear you scream. <laughs> I actually yelled at the screen in this film. Really? When the big secret of the event horizon was revealed, it was so insultingly stupid that I couldn't believe the filmmaker had the nerve to toss it up there on the screen. The film looks cool. The interiors of the spaceship were based on a cathedral. But other than that, there's really nothing to suggest it. Now for our next one. This comes from Chad Icon. This is 2018, so fairly new. He gave it one star out of five. Seriously? You'd enjoy shaving a dead cat more. It gets the physics wrong so often. It's bad science fiction. The scares are such worn-out tropes. It's bad horror. The acting isn't over-the-top enough to make it campy, gory, guilty pleasure-worthy of cult classic status. It's just bad. So that's from some people that hated this movie even more than Kathleen. <laughs> my original thought was, I'll just use her review as a trash opinion. <laughs> Uh, you should have messaged her on the side and said, "Hey, 
Write me a review. Write me a really yeah, I need a review. review. <laughs> yeah, oh, I would rather find blood awesome. in my stool than watch this movie again. Uh, <laughs> I, would, <laughs> ew. I would rather throw up in a vase and throw it up against the wall. <laughs> I wasn't throwing up in a vase. Oh, yeah. Oh, Stop. Yeah, put, put Stop. Vase. <laughs> We're not going there. Oh, the other end. At least there's uh, no upper decking happening. Oh, uh, here we go, guys. All right. Well, I think that was successful. What do you think? That Nate? was very successful. It was so nice to finally see the faces behind Good Beer, Bad Movie Night. <laughs> Their podcast is delightful, where they review the same type of movies, but then review it on a scale of <laughs> one to six on how many beers you need to actually enjoy the movie. And well, they're all local to Nate, me, well, so they're awesome to me. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you let the leader of the pack there give us Go a quick rundown it, of their show? Oh, yes. The Good Beer, Bad Movie Night. Come visit us at goodbeerbadmovienight.com. We're on the Facebook, the Twitter, the Instagram, whatever. Uh, we uh, the, the unique thing about our show is that we rate movies upon how many beers you need to enjoy them. So if it's a particularly good movie like Machete, you might only need one beer. If it's a real piece of shit like Wild Wild West or The Swarm, thanks Dave, uh, those you need a lot of alcohol to even get through, (laughs) hopefully pass out, before the movie ends. Um, So that's that's what we do. We also, uh, I'm a home brewer, so I know a little more than the average beer about beer. So we talk about beer uh, on not an advanced level, but on a non-discriminatory uh, fun level. We, we examine all sorts of different kinds of beers. So uh, my brain is not working right now. So maybe I've had too many. I still have a movie I want to torture all four of you with, but I one day. enjoy it. I have had one since I started our podcast (laughs) and I was listening to Pete's and Pete already knows what it is. So one day (laughs) Kathleen will get to enjoy that. It'll it'll happen. It'll happen. We just want to break all four of you. That's all. I can honestly say you will not say you more than once. I don't believe. Challenge accepted. (laughs) All right. Well, you just heard about Good Beer, Bad Movie Night, and you get to hear Pete most of the time on our Give Me Back My Horror Movies podcast. And anytime you want to find us, we are on the Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, Twitch, OnlyFans, YouTube, almost soon. Hopefully one day I'll get off my ass and do it. But yeah, do you it. know you can find us, especially go check us out over on our Facebook groups of Give Me Back My Horror Movies and Give Me Back My Action Movies, where the conversation continues on, even when we're not recording. Uh, let's see, what else we got, Nate? Oh, our network, our other friends in the network. We have uh, Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling. We have uh, Monster Movie Stompdown. I'm getting tired, too, guys. My brain's not firing as fast. I blame COVID. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you do have that. <laughs> Yeah, you <laughs> forgot about all that. Uh, I Know You Hear Me with Flynn Hendricks and Tales from the Haunt with Flynn and Just Jeff. Um, also, can't I can't forget, and I have to say it because Kathleen's here, you can email us over at gmbmampod at gmail.com. That is a complicated nice set of letters. Woo! 
Wow. Nicely done. While ours is complicated, yours is still bigger, Kathleen. So it's all good. Always. <laughs> <laughs> she got it. I think everyone else took a second mm-hmm. on that one. <laughs> I sleepy. Nate's still sitting there going, I don't know what's happening right now. <laughs> Any all right. Anybody anyone? got anything else they want to talk about? Oh, yeah, I would love to do this again. Uh, let's do this again. <laughs> oh, you guys are talking about penises. In space. <laughs> no gravity. <laughs> just kind of floats. Oh. Space penis. <laughs> <laughs> totally should have had Dave for <laughs> Leprechaun 4. That's what. In low yes. gravity, are they bigger? Uh, Warwick Davis seems to have thought so in the last movie. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right. Well, as we, uh, I think this is the final in space movie for uh, at least for yes. the horror show, right? We got one more action after yeah. this. One, two, this yeah. is a, yeah. one more action on our journey into space this month, and we'll figure out Roadhouse in space. Roadhouse in space. Right? Be nice in space. <laughs> at the triple titty bar, <laughs> and we're good to go. That's right. <laughs> Sorry, Kathleen. Uh, <laughs> you added two more boys to it. All right, let's get more women. <laughs> it's exactly. Far from the worst she's Absolutely. heard. Kathleen is our first official female uh, guest guest on the show. So. I know, right? That's the right. Time. We're supposed to be inclusive. Uh, all right, we're done. Let's end right there. Nate, get us out of here with the good word, brother. Whoever sent that message, he sure believed in hell. Now, let's talk about how I get back home.